good evening and obviously we'd like to first start there with a word about Diego Maradona's passing. Absolutely terrible for the world of football and thoughts go out to the families and clubs and the lives of everyone that he touched with his football. Good evening, we are back for the Champions League review show. It is me, Stephen Cotton, and on my right, now we've just swapped that around, is Ed All. Ed, how are you doing? Not bad, I'm really missing the fans. I didn't realise it till this week. Champions League's just not the same. <laughs> it has been. It is a bit weird to watch. I, I mean, I, I uh, what game did I? Watch? I watched the Chelsea game, um, and I, I, I kind of thought, what's what's wrong here? Something was missing, and I realised I'd put it on the BT channel without uh, any crowd noise. So it was just a bit yeah. like. And I'd, honestly, I know it's personal preference. I don't know how people can watch it without uh, the crowd noise. It doesn't do anything for me. Right. So without further ado, as there is a lot to get through, we're going to we're going to jump straight in to Group A. And the first game was Atletico Madrid drawing 0-0 to Lokomotiv Moscow. Uh, I don't really have anything to say about it. I watched the highlights uh, and the highlight was uh, Jimenez missing a header. That was literally about it. So we're not gonna we're not gonna waste any time on that. We're gonna move straight <laughs> on to the next game. No, they're literally that's that's there's nothing... I had pages. I had pages full of notes. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, we're moving on. So next game we have uh, Bayern Munich beating uh, RB Salzburg uh three one at home in the Champions League. For them, which is nice, goals from Lewandowski, which that is Lewandowski's 14th goal already this season. Uh and also takes him third in all-time top goal scorers in the Champions League with only Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo scoring more goals than him in the Champions League stat padder. Second goal, Kingsley Coman. Uh, and then a debut, I think a Champions League debut to forget for Rocker, sent off for two yellow cards, both very similar challenges, really late on the ankle. Sane scored to make it 3-0 and they, uh, they got a consolation through Berisha. Ed, do Bayern Munich go all the way again this year? They're definitely the favourites. You can't see Bayern Munich really struggling in a game until we get to the knockout stages. You know, semi-finals is when Bayern will at least have a challenge. But even then, they're by a country mile, the best team in the land. They're like the kings I mean, of Europe, both. They are literally the kings of Europe. But I think everyone fears them. I think only some teams... Could beat them and they'd have to have a fully fit squad yeah i mean i mean Komen got the th- uh, sane got the third sorry and he came off the bench when you can bring leroy sane off the bench it's dangerous it's dangerous that squad just looks absolutely silly at the minute so that results well but well left... Re- lewandowski's um overtook benzema so he could still fall back fourth and third he might be juggling that position with benzema for a little bit oh uh, yeah I, I mean I, I would i would count but I'd bet Lewandowski at the end of his career to be third. He's not oh, going to yeah, pick well, Messi I'll... or Ronaldo. He's way too old. No, no. But yeah. I'd, I'd easily say that I'd, I'd put the house on it that um, Lewandowski will score more goals in the Champions League this campaign than Benzema. So those results in Group A left the table looking like this. So there we are. Munich already qualified, played for 1 4. Uh, I mean, pff, look at the goal difference as well 11 plus 11. Atletico have really left themselves quite a bit to do with the uh, both results in Moscow because it only takes if Atletico lose to Bayern and Lokomotiv beat Salzburg, there could be there could be some real, real, real danger uh, for Madrid. Ed, did Madrid go through? No, I'm going to say do you not no. Think? I don't Ooh. think they'll go through. I think I think they've missed a massive opportunity here. I think, I think one I think will leave, leave them unstuck. I mean, Salzburg, I mean, they're not the team they was with Haaland, but they still give it a good go, no matter who they're playing. They look if, really if, energetic. Like They always look up for it. Atletico will always be strong defensively, but they hard, they hardly pump teams 3 or 4-0. Barcelona 1-0, 0-0 tonight. And, and, and you know what? I would say as well that um, 3-1 for Bayern Munich, is, it was really flattering. Uh, Salzburg were were in the game. They, it was, they gave a real good account of themselves. But that is what happens when you have just world-class talent. Even when you're not playing well, they'll get you the goals. And I think it's... I, I mean, Simeone's been there a long time. It probably would take something like this for him to go because he's probably one of the... He's probably the favourite for the league title this year. So if he won the league again, he could probably walk away from Atletico and start a new challenge. 
he could. Moving on to Group B, where Mönchengladbach beat Shakhtar 4-0. Uh, five years to the day since Mönchengladbach's only home win in the Champions League. So this is a this is a big, big, big result for him. Uh, what more can you say? Mönchengladbach, uh, top of the group in which a group we didn't even think they'd get out of uh, looking at it to begin with. Uh, Shakhtar won their opening game as well. And now they look in all sorts of trouble. Uh, a few good goals in this game if you want to check them out. But again, not much to really talk about Mönchengladbach looking at the minute. Like they're cruising through the group. We'll get to that when we get to the table. Also in that group, there was this mammoth clash again. Now, Ed, I want to talk to you about Inter Milan. They have spent a lot of money. They spent a lot of money getting Conte in. They spent a lot of money on the players they've got. Are they really, really underperforming? Or were they just put in a hard group? Two years on the trot, they've had a hard group, but that's no that's no excuse. The first year, they're under Conte, they had a really hard group, didn't get through to the knockout stages, but they focused domestically, finished second in the end. It was a great run, lost in the Europa League final, ultimately come out with nothing. This year, the team has spent time together. They don't really have an excuse. They are going to not finish in the knockout stages again. And Conte is not meeting the minimum requirements needed of him. And I said last show, I think he should be sacked. Well, the thing is, they might not. The way things are going in that group, they might not even get Europa League because they are in danger of finishing bottom. Now, the game had a few incidents. Um, Nacho went down for the first goal, which was a penalty from Eden Hazard. Great penalty. Uh, Hazard still yet to even prove or justify why Real Madrid spent all that money on him. The penalty was really clumsy. It was um, a clip, clipped heels from behind sort of situation. It's very minimal. Um, you, it, it's a penalty, but it's very, very, very soft. Now, but 25 minutes after that penalty decision, Vidal goes down in the box and it looks like he's been clipped by, uh, by Varane. Similar situation, very similar to the to the penalty that was awarded. Now, the penalty's not given. Uh, Vidal goes absolutely mental. Uh, and then the ball goes out of play and all the Inter players crowd the ref, which was, was it Bobby Madley? I think it was Bobby Madley. I could be wrong there. It was an English ref. Uh, but they crowded him. Uh, and Vidal gets himself booked for being too aggressive with his complaints. So as soon as he got booked, he squares up to the referee and there he doesn't even he doesn't even put the yellow out and put it back in. He literally yellow and then yellow again. Off he goes. It's a very, very similar penalty um decision. I could have seen it being given. And then just to compound the misery, uh Hakimi scored a deflected own goal against his former club, who let him go in the summer. Um into Milan. This is what we were talking about. This is why we were saying that they're in so much trouble. Here's the group table. Inter Milan, rock bottom on two points. Now, things all could change. Mönchengladbach on eight, Real Madrid on seven, Shakhtar on four. If Inter Milan do not pick up three points against Mönchengladbach, it's game over. I think that it literally mathematically can't progress. That is shocking. That is shocking when you see those points. Mönchengladbach only need a point to get through to the knockout stages. Yeah. So Inter, Inter Milan are not getting through to the knockout stages. I can confidently say that. I can. Um, but the question is, Shakhtar's the next. They never pushed on. Europa League would probably be a success for them based on the group they had. They'd be happy with that. Oh, gotcha. But, but don't expect anything more than a Real Madrid and much of Gladbach to go through. Yeah, I can see match day five. I can see Madrid getting the win against Shakhtar. And I can see much and Gladbach at least holding Inter Milan at home. So it could all be done. By the by, the end of match day five, in as as far as Group B, is as most groups do go in truth. Yeah, that is. It, it's pretty much a lot of the groups we'll look at tonight are already sort of wrapped up. Talking Some of games, that, yeah, yeah, exactly. Here we go. So Manchester City are already through, aren't they? That's uh, they beat Olympiacos one nil. Bit of a bit of a slog to watch. This was uh, I watched it. Wasn't entirely convincing, but they got the job done. And as we keep saying, look what actually happens when you start Phil Foden. He had a great first half, was constantly on the move, looking for passes, making runs, creating space, 
got his goal, which was a well-worked move. But surely this is the time that he breaks into the first team. Phil Foden's been the decisive man a few times this season. Perhaps he's being overworked, perhaps due to his international responsibilities, he's probably been taken out of the limelight. If that carries on, there's no excuse to not play Phil Foden, especially with the start Man City have already had. He gets the winner yeah. today. He's, he's, he's a fantastic talent. Man City, they still look a bit off, though. They, they've they, offered they them do. through, but they had tons of opportunities. They're not very clinical enough. It's like... It's not clicking for Man City. No, I'm glad you said that because in my notes here, I've, I've got written that Jesus is still a bum. Uh, missed way too many chances. And during the game, they were they were talking up the um, the options of him becoming Aguero's long-term heir apparent. And I can't see it. I, honestly, it was, the minute Aguero goes, I can see him bringing in a world-class striker. Uh, well, that's not an easy ask. That's not an easy ask, but... He no, has to be at least a substandard type of striker. Yeah, and I, I, I've said before, I don't rate him. Uh, Olympiakos... Had a bit. They rallied for the last ten minutes, and City looked like they were going to be the victims of their own of their own doing because they were inviting it on. Olympiacos nearly did snatch a win, but to be fair to City, Olympiacos have won every home game in the league this season without conceding a goal. So it wow. shows you that they are they are a good outfit. They were also missing seven key players uh, because of COVID. So it wasn't an easy it wasn't an easy night for Olympiacos, and unfortunately for them, it was just a stretch too far. Also in that group, we had Porto against Marseille. Uh, I mean, it was it was a half decent game to watch. Uh, it was pretty pretty easy for Porto. There was just the goals were easy. Uh, Gruwich obviously on loan from well he was he, on loan. No, he's uh, no he's, he's on loan. He's on loan. So oh, is he on? Is he on loan? He's on loan. Uh, yeah, yeah we him. couldn't get the deal over. Got himself sent off for two clumsy, uh, two clumsy yellows. Belardi got himself sent off for two clumsy yellows, and uh, I think that I think that Oliveira goal in the seventy second. That might no, it wasn't. It was it was it wasn't a penalty. It was just a normal goal. Uh, yeah, it wasn't too much going on in this game, honestly. Um, Porto, you'd expect well with the, with their quality and their pedigree, you'd expect them to go through this group anyway. So Group C does look like this. City again played for one for plus nine goal difference, and Porto played for one three, lost one nine points. So I think so is, that, is are, that Marseille something like seventeenth loss on the bounce, or what was the stat yes, last week? It is it was sixteen uh, last, last week. week. Was it sixteen or or fifteen or sixteen? Something of thereabouts. But they haven't won in the Champions League in absolutely forever. Doesn't look like they're going to. I think Porto it's, it's not was... even draws, it's consecutive defeats, if I could remember. Yeah, it is, it is. I think it is. Um Porto just need a point to qualify. So I don't know if they'll get it against City on match day five. So it will come down to Porto playing Olympiacos. Um and Olympiacos need to beat Marseille to stay in the hunt. I wouldn't be Which... so sure. Man City is struggling to score more than one goal at the moment. If if that yeah. Porto are the home side. You never know. You could even see a Porto win. Most likely not. I'd expect a draw in that game. Yeah, so Porto could wrap it up at in Portugal against City. Moving on to Group D. Ajax won 3-1 against, against Mijiland. The first goal in this game, I don't know if you've seen it. It's an absolute howitzer from uh, Graven, Gravenberch. Uh, honestly, it's about 30, 35 yards out. Lot of spin, lot of dip, hits the crossbar, absolutely beautiful. Ajax doubled the lead through Mazrai on the 49th minute. David Neres scored a nice goal. Actually, to be fair, the second goal was a nice build up as well. Neres scores in the, uh, to make it 3 0. Um, Midgetland, nothing but a consolation uh, penalty in the 80th minute. Um, that was that was pretty much it. Ajax, just honestly, the football they play sometimes is incredible but you've got to feel sorry for them because even the players they've got now that are playing incredible give it a year or two and they'll, and they'll be gone they are just they are just like a, a farm they're a very young they're a very young side and it'll just take yeah. that year of maturity uh, yeah. they'll get a few leaders in the team and then as you said it'll be a home bargain yeah I mean when Ajax got to the Europa League final uh, against United in 17 was it 17 2017 something like that um the players in that team were um, Davison Sanchez, uh, De Litt, I think Donny van der Beek was playing. There was there was some very 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 good talent that that 
Uh, it was the uh, team that went on to the semi-final against Tottenham. They were just uh, yeah, exactly. a few oh, more years down the exactly. line. Yeah, it was exactly. The... Minus Sanchez, obviously, and then, I mean, and then what happened? They got that team would have would have sh- probably should have if Tottenham didn't pull a blunder. Probably would have gone for a Europa League final and a Champions League final. That's some real progression. Yeah. I mean, Ziyech is at, is at um, Chelsea now. Van der Beek's at United. Probably did well to win that game. Yeah. And here we go. Liverpool losing 2-0 at home to Atalanta. Now, let me me just do mine and then you can talk about it. Honestly, I I watched it and I was uh, really surprised. Like, this isn't a Liverpool performance I think I've ever seen under Klopp. It was really lacklustre, really flat. Just didn't get going in the game. Um, just literally offered nothing to the game. Zero shots on target. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. And I don't, I, this isn't like bait. I'm not trying not to bait it. Or um, Go on. With all the injuries, I know you've, you've got the squad you've got at the minute. Was the performance or lack thereof in this game are some players feeling the burnout already? Because some of these players, due to the injuries, have had to play almost every game for Liverpool. The festive period's coming up with a lot of games all in quick succession. Is Was this just a bad day at the office, which all the best teams have? Or could this be the start of a, of a worrying period of burnout? I don't think it's the start of a worrying period. I think perhaps, yeah, a worrying start of a period of burnout for players across the board is to be expected. We're already seeing that. I think this performance is a number of factors. Liverpool have had shown the same type of performance twice and they've all come this year. Uh, first was against Arsenal in the League Cup at Anfield, midweek game. The second one was against Michelin at the opening game of the season, no, second game of the season after Ajax. Midweek Anfield games don't have the same impact they used to. Um, Mane looked tired from the weekend. Milner hasn't been playing 90 minutes regularly, yet he's forced to now. So playing Sunday, then Wednesday is going to instantly affect you. Salah had been in Egypt. We all, if, if people weren't tired, they were uh, they were lacking match fitness, there was sharpness. It was a combination of the lot. I mean, we have quality in our substitutes, but if you don't play week in, week out, you don't have that match sharpness. You're not good at the system. Our left backs and right backs looked, uh, how do I put it, shocked by their debut. They were very, they were very lacklustre. Uh, Nico yeah. Williams gave the ball away far too much, and Tomiscus has hardly played any football for us. So I, I, I was surprised we lost two 0 but from half hour in, I knew where it was going. Uh, both the goals as well were, were pretty, pretty standard, standard affair. Uh, the second goal especially was literally just... It was a nice ball in, but it was just a cross into the corridor of uncertainty. And just no Liverpool defenders reacted. No one picked up the runner. It ended up just being a pretty pretty easy tap-in. Uh, I mean, it's a loss, but I think you've done enough in the group anyway to... Well, that's it. you got to remember, Atalanta needed a win to get a realistic chance of going yeah, through. Yeah. Liverpool had nine points, so... As I said, if Liverpool was a must-win game, I'm sure the players would have put out in a different kind of performance. But it does leave us in a slight bit of bother. You never know. If Ajax beat us, then it's actually out of our hands. Yeah, so let's have a look at the table now. So this is how the table uh, finishes on match day four. Liverpool played for 1-3, lost one on nine points. Ajax and Atalanta both on seven points. So this is going to be really interesting coming down to the final two match uh, the match days. Poor old Michelin down there, uh, zero points. But, I mean, it was to be expected. Is it is it as simple as Liverpool and Ajax going through? Or what do you see? Do you see Atalanta maybe going through instead? I mean, Liverpool will have to play Ajax. So if you was a betting man, you'd probably say Liverpool and Atalanta. Liverpool and Atalanta will probably be the teams going through. Liverpool will look to get the job done. Because Liverpool don't get a win. They could finish third. Quite easily. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. So obviously they were they were cruising up until last night, but obviously the way that the rest of the I didn't group conceded was, a goal. Yeah, the way the rest of the group was positioned, it's it's now become quite dangerous because, as you said, if I if Ajax beat Liverpool on match day five, they jump above them, and Atalanta, you'd expect them to beat Michelin, would also go on to ten points. So you would be third going into the final final game of the season, 
uh, the Champions League group stage, sorry. Needing um, a result. It could, and it could be out of your hands. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's Who have you got last day? Have you got Michelin? Yeah, that's what I mean. So we the no, exactly that. And, and you've got to remember, it's, it's going to be a way. They'll have nothing to lose. They'll go all out. You might not even get the three points there. You might get a draw. I think Liverpool, listen, they didn't tr- take this game too seriously. They'll be disappointed by the result. Klopp looked furious. But Ajax presents a real threat. So I probably expect a different type of team to turn up to that game. Yeah, you'd hope, you would hope so. You'd hope so, uh, anyway. Move, moving on to Group E. Krasnodar lost 2-1 to Sevilla. Where are we? We've got it. We've got it. Yeah, yeah Rakitic scored a nice, nice long-range goal on the, the fourth minute. Wanderson equalised for Krasnodar, but then El Haddadi in the 95th minute. Um, I think, hold on, let me check my notes because I'm pretty sure this was the one. Uh, I'm pretty sure this was the keeper made an absolute howler. For No, it wasn't this one. But Sevilla, um, they've absolutely ruined themselves and, and they've broken the curse because now they won't be in the Europa League next season. They've actually qualified which is uh, very unlike them. Um, yeah. Sevilla so so have been very inconsistent, haven't they? Since pushing on from that Europa League final. They seem to do that. They, they, they suit it when the going gets tough. I know they still won, but Krasnodar, come on. You're Sevilla, yeah. you're Europa yeah. League champions. There was an incredible uh, goal line, uh, I say clearance slash tackle in this game. It was Kunde made a uh, last ditch tackle to put it onto the post to basically stop a guaranteed goal. That was about it. But in the same group, Chelsea um, left it late and made real hard work of this, more hard work than they needed to. Uh, they looked like they were cruising. Hudson Adoy, Hudson Adoy scored. Um, I don't know what it's saying, Rakitic. But Hudson Odoi scored great pass from Phil Foden. Uh, the defense was completely split. It was it was really simple, really simple stuff. And then Hudson Odoi with a tidy finish. And that was about it. Um, it was it was pretty pretty standard stuff for Chelsea. They were plodding along. Um, they did keep miss. They did have a few decent chances to. Um, they had a few decent chances to put the game to bed. But Werner again missing uh, a pretty pretty easy uh, pretty easy chance. But then to throw the cat among the pigeons, uh, Jurassi scored in the 85th minute, absolutely like thunderous towering header uh, to equalise in the 85th. And you thought that's pretty much what uh, Stad Wren deserved. They they kept pushing. But then in the 91st minute, uh, the ball falls to Werner in the box. Probably should score again. Uh, forces a save from the keeper. The ball spins up in the air. Now there's three Wren defenders in and around the situation with the ball up in the air. And Giroud just comes from nowhere, out jumps everyone, headers it in. The guy on the line even tries to punch it away. But it was, it was poor defending. So Chelsea really, really, really got away with on there. Did you, did you see the Giroud goal? Yeah, I saw the Giroud goal. It's, it's Giroud, mate. That's all I've got to say. I, I, I love Giroud. I mean, too, but I, I, I did Very unappreciated. Yeah. I did question the... Do you know, Stan Renez have one point. Krasnodar have one point. You yeah. know, there's nothing questionable about that from them. You know what I mean? Chelsea oh, well, were lucky to get such an easy group, but... I mean, I'm not saying that in any terms of disrespect. Is Chelsea were struggling to find their their way at the start of the year, and this group's helped them. Them got finishing. I think they've got ten points at the moment. Them getting through to the knockout stages while just finding their form and hitting their stride is doing the world of confidence. If they could be a, a, actually a quite a big threat, I wrote them off after the round of sixteen. Okay, well, following on from that, how far then do you think Chelsea can realistically get this year in the Champions League? It's a knockout competition. I mean, to honestly, I think if they get past the round of 16, that would be considered a success, considering how long the team's been together. It's Chelsea's first Champions League campaign under Frank. It also depends on who they get straight off the, yeah. straight off if, the bat. Yeah, if, if, if Chelsea get Bayern Munich in the quarters, you know, no one's going to take the piss if they get knocked out of the Champions League. No. But as you said, Timo Werner, he gets in a lot of dangerous positions. I mean, yeah, he's not he's not banging him in like he was at Leipzig, but he's constantly a threat. He's a nuisance all game, and that's what you want. 
Yeah, yeah. He like you said, he does find himself in those positions, which shows he's got the he's got the right attack mentality, and he, he's got his position and he's bang on. But yeah. there are, there have been a few times in the prem recently as well where you think we should he should score there, or he's tried to pass rather than shoot and show that killer instinct. So I lo- I loved him at Leipzig. I, I don't I'm not a huge fan of him playing out wider, which I know he did at Leipzig. He wore number eleven for God's sake. He practically played left wing. I think he should just be just operating straight through the middle, though. Um, yeah, but... he brings two defenders with him. He's that type of striker. So, oh uh, yeah, he does. If someone so else leaves... scores. So bet. Exactly. That leaves Group E. I think Group E is the only group possibly. I might be it's wrong. Done. No, it's group. done. It's done. Yes, yeah, the only it's group. It's the only one where both that's both completely done. Chelsea on ten points. Severe on ten points. Uh, they both fa- uh, face each other next week. Um, uh, it's winner winner takes the group, I suppose. And poor old Krasnodar and Ren must have seen that group and just thought, well, which one of us is going to get to Europa? Which one of those two teams do you think will get Europa League football, Ren or Krasnodar? I mean, you're asking me. You've got a team with minus six goal difference and a team with minus five, with the exact same amount of points. It's like a flip of a coin. This. I'm going to go Krasnodar just because um, I think they've actually pulled off some quite. Um, Good attacking moments in this competition. I mean, the, yeah, they just lose three one four one, but they've yeah, got a good attack. Uh, Krasnodar versus Ren might be the game uh, that I actually watch next week. I'd like to get myself invested in that one. What about Sevilla? Be... Sevilla get through. That we, they are through. Sorry, straight out the round of sixteen. Uh. It would be just their luck to qualify for the knockout stages. And obviously you can't go back into Europa League. Can you go back into the Europa League after that? No, no, of course you can't. No. So yeah. Yeah. So like it would be just their luck to finally go through and then get dumped out and have nothing. Uh, They're one of the, Sevilla is such a strange team. They, they have class, but it's an aging squad. They can either decide to turn up and play incredible football or they just look very meh and bland. I mean, the, the two of their two of their best players are Rakitic, who who's just gone back, and um, Jesus Navas has been incredible for him. And how old is Jesus Navas play, playing? Well, he's playing right wing back now for him. So it's just uh, Sevilla. Uh, I can't see him going straight out of the round of sixteen, depending on who they get. And I know they did a number on us in the Europa League semi, but we kind of we kind of asked for that. It wasn't a great performance. So Sevilla, yeah, we'll see them go out, I think. So moving on, we have Dortmund beating Club Bruges 3-0 at home. Goals again from, I'm not even going to put it up yet, surprise, surprise, who scored the goals. 18 minutes in and it was Erland Haaland. This kid... We're going to talk about him in a second. We'll actually talk. We'll talk about him for a few minutes. Uh, Sancho scored on the 45th minute with an absolute peach of a free kick. Uh, ball always curling away and going top corner. Just to remind everyone that he's he's still he's still about. He's still he's still doing his things. Haaland then scored on the hour mark. Uh, predatory predatory instincts. Uh, the ball's ricocheting around the box. It looked like he might have been offside, but he wasn't. He was just in the right place. And just a turn and swivel and an incredible finish into the bottom corner to make it 3-0. Now, where are my... Here we go. So, er- Erlen Haaland is the quickest player ever to 15 goals at 20. And Haaland has scored 15 goals in 12 games. The record before that was Ruud van Nistelrooy and Roberto Saldado both had <laughs> 15 in 19. So he's done it in seven games quicker. That is also now 12 in seven for Haaland. Is this kid like the real deal, real deal? Are you talking about, is this kid Messi Ronaldo real deal? Yeah, is he? Is Haaland going to be... If you think that he's 20, right? If you think yeah. that the attack, attackers and strikers peak and stuff, this kid is 20. He's breaking all sorts of records. He's scoring week in, week out. He's scoring hat-tricks every other week. How like how far can he go? You, see, you don't want to jinx him. You don't want to put tons of pressure on him. because. But the best players don't crumble under pressure. I mean, wasn't he the top scorer in the group stage for Salzburg? He was the top scorer in their league. He moved straight to Dortmund. And from minute one, he was scoring goals. He hasn't stopped scoring goals. He's done the step up. He bangs them in. 
he, I mean, the rate he's going at, expects Lewandowski's record to only last until the end of Haaland's career. He could even beat yeah. Messi and Ronaldo's. You never know. But the the way he's going at, he's he he, he if, he's doing what people been expecting Mbappe to do. I mean, Mbappe's yeah. Go on. I was just about to say because obviously that they are very different players, and and Mbappe can play out wide and he can uh, uh, like play that role. Whereas Haaland, he's just a six foot four powerhouse centre forward. He's fast as well. He's he's very fast. Like he, uh, I think there was a, I think the first goal in this in this game, he just ate up the ground. Like he was, on, he's on you like a flash. And it's not just the fact that he's fast, but he's six four as well. So he covers a lot of ground when he's running. So the question is. Mbappe and Haaland, are they are they the two? Is that going to be the future Ronaldo Messi? Is it going to be them two every year going for awards, going going head to head? Yeah, yeah, it will be. I think perhaps what you're seeing is Mbappe's probably dropping off a little bit because he's playing in such a poor league. You do lose that sharpness, not playing the big boys all the time. I think the longer you spend in league and the lot you know, the more your form's gonna dip. But yeah, evidence suggests that these are gonna be the two players to watch. And I'll if that happens, I'll enjoy it. Yeah, I mean when, when, there is a there is a stat that I'll bring up about um, Mbappe when we get to that. But far, final word on the Haaland on the Haaland thing. Is there a striker in world football now that isn't Kane, Lewandowski? Ronaldo or Messi? Is there is there a striker in world football now that you'd rather have leading your line than Haaland? No, not at all. Uh, uh, and I know it's I know the deal was what the deal was, and Haaland will have a uh, relatively cheap release clause um, in his Dortmund contract next. Is it next year or twenty twenty two? He has a silly release clause, but it, it does make me really upset that um, United couldn't get this deal done and he he decided to go to Dortmund, which has obviously been the best move for his career. Um, just a little bit salty on that. I don't feel like... I mean, this Dortmund team was together last year. They are a very, very good team considering how young the team is. I mean, we yeah. talk about great Ajax teams who are, who are very young. Dortmund have been that for nearly 24 months. They're a fantastic they have, outfit. Yeah. They, I mean, they, I could get, they could go a good way this season before getting they poached. Could, Dortmund's only problem is they're in the league with that Bayern Munich team. That that's their yeah. own that is their only problem. Like if, if if Bayern weren't in that league with that squad that they've got, Dortmund would probably be winning the league or they'd be push well, they will push close, but they'd probably be winning it. But it is what it is. In the same group is Lazio and Zenit. Uh Lazio took the lead from a Chiro Mobley absolute thunderbolt from about 35, 40 yards. Keeper hasn't even moved. It's moved, the ball has moved so much in the air, ends up pretty much going top corner. Um, wonderful, wonderful goal. Parolo, Marco Parolo, the long-term servant of the club, finally scores his first Champions League goal at the age of 35. And he has been there a long, long time. Uh, Zuba made it 2-1 in the 25th minute. Uh, recently dropped from the Russian team for some pretty interesting uh, personal life scandals going on there. And Mobley made it 3-1 in the 55th minute with an absolute, like, this is, if you if you want to see how a striker should take a penalty, this is the one. Don't worry about Danny Murphy telling you about what angles you are and aren't allowed to run up oh, to the ball. Oh, embarrassing. Uh, Mobley literally puts the ball down. It's Dennis Irwin-esque. He turns, he runs straight out and, and like, Puts his foot through it, no faffing around, straight down the middle of the goal, nearly takes the pegs out the bottom of the net. Stanchion nearly goes into the car park. Great penalty. Uh, Zenit, Zenit, keep being Zenit, I suppose. Lazio getting the job done. Uh, not a huge Lazio fan for obvious reasons, but this is how the table is looking. Dortmund played 4-1-3, lost one on nine points. Lazio close behind on eight points. Bruges on four and Zenit. Zenit on one point. Now, Zenit on one point. Let's say, I want to have a quick Zenit. Okay. Do we? Do I or do we expect more from Zenit because of that one time like 10 years, 10, 15 years ago when they had a massive injection of cash and they looked like they were about to do things and they brought some half-decent players. What, Zenit at, Oh, well, yeah. Who, they, had, yeah. Uh, who, they had a good team. They had Andres, uh, V.S. Boas was the manager at the time. They, they had some was Hamzik, like, crazy players. Zenit. I know he was at Napoli, but was he ever at... He might have been. 
I'll have to find that. We'll move. We'll move on. We'll look at for next show. But yeah, they they did have some good players. Um, one point in that group is that enough for Zenit, or is that drastically drastically under under underperforming? Well, I think when you see Lazio on paper, you naturally go. You know, you disregard him. So perhaps you thought Zenit would have done better, but Lazio are a very good side. Probably the second best team behind Juventus in the last eighteen months. I know you don't like to hear that, but it's but it's fact. <laughs> it is fact. Yeah, Zenit. Yeah, are, I, I mean, think I think Zenit are clearly the worst team in that group. I mean, every any team will be disappointed with a point. Of course you would, but they're the worst team in that group. The Bruges have been about for the, like the last three years now. I'm actually interested to see... Um, Club Bruges, Club Bruges, if they beat Lazio, which is unlikely, could still get through to the knockout stages, which would be an historic achievement for them. I'm, I'm just having a look at the... Yeah, so basically the, uh, the Zenit team, if you want me to sum up uh, how bad the Zenit team actually is these days, uh, the standout players, that nice. I can name you from this... Look, from this lineup, uh, Artem Zuba obviously plays for Russia. The Russian national team is half decent striker. Now, uh, the other names in this that I can tell you that I recognize, uh, I know we're not going to recognize a lot of them because it's Russian football, but Yuri, Zherko, uh, Yuri Zherkov at 37, still plying his trade up there. And their standout new signing, their best center back on the books is Dayan Lovren. So maybe, Ooh. maybe. Zenit- Maybe Zenit aren't underperforming. Maybe they're just exactly where they should be. <laughs> Jesus. And you're wondering why they've got one point. Yeah, exactly. That. Yeah. Uh, Kiev losing 4 0 to Barcelona. Now, Messi less uh, Barcelona. Messi less Barcelona. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, do you know what? If you. Look when that first goal went in on the 52nd minute and it's 4 0. If you, if you had this in your acker, if you had something like a handicap on Barca expecting big things. You'd you'd have been nervous, but then it just it just when it when it came the floodgates open. Uh, Sergio Dest uh scored I think that's his first Champions League goal. Uh with a Braithwaite no, assist. Yeah it's, it's his first goal I believe, isn't it? I think it's his first goal. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah Braith, Braithwaite got the assist. Uh then on the 57th minute Braithwaite powering in at the back post gets his first ever goal in the Champions League and only his second goal for Barcelona. But his second goal was soon followed by his third goal for Barcelona from the penalty spot because Coutinho had just gone off. There was no Messi. So Braithwaite was left to take the the penalty. I bet he couldn't believe his luck. Um, And then in the 92nd minute, Griezmann, uh, great, great goal to make it 4-0. Barcelona. It seems in the last... Not the last two years, but in the last four or five years prior to the two years ago, um, you'd always expect them to get semis. You'd always expect to get semis. You'd always expect them to get semis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> this Barcelona team and the way they've been playing, they haven't they haven't looked great under Koeman just yet. I know it's early days. H- how much can we expect from this Barcelona team this this Champions League? Will they get far? Will they make it to the quarters, semis, finals? Very little, very little. I've got a soft spot for Barcelona, so I try watch as much of it as I can. I don't enjoy watching them even when they've got Messi in the team now. Um, Honestly, it sounds outrageous, but the best thing for Barcelona would be to get Messi off the books and and refocus that team. They need they they need a fresh slate. I mean, it's, I mean, it's like to get rid of Messi's got to be the hardest decision in the world. But Barcelona are financially struggling. Never mind uh, on the field. Barcelona have lost a sense of identity and they have done for the last, probably since that Liverpool defeat, probably since that Liverpool defeat, they don't even have a style of play anymore. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I know it sounds seriously outlandish saying they need to get rid of Messi, but the problem is, obviously in the summer he came out and said he wants to leave, which is obvious. He, that's it. He, want, he wants to leave. Um, Can't blame him. Legally, he wasn't allowed to, and then basically he said he wanted to stay or whatever. He said he didn't want to take the club to war. Basically, legally, he didn't have a leg to stand on, so he had to stay. But then the problem is, you've got a want-away player, and you now know that next season, he's probably going to leave. So you need to rebuild this team, right? And how do you rebuild a team that's just about to lose Lionel Messi? That's a hard task in itself. But then to keep him for another year, 
So now whatever they do this year is still revolving around Messi. It's not gonna it's not gonna help their progression for next season when they're not gonna have him or whatnot. Like that, like you said, not not so much uh, like clean slate, but if they if they're gonna prepare for life without him and they know it's coming, do it like you said, do it now. Like cut the ties. It's it's gonna be horrible. Get it done and now you can start rebuilding because this season it might as well be a write off. I mean. Look, like we said before, the squad is aging. Sergio Busquets is getting on. PK, what's he now? 34, 35, something around there. Messi's not going to be there for much longer. They've just got rid of Suarez. Who did they... Look at the replacements they've got. They've got Braithwaite. I mean, honestly, the, the rebuild process at Barcelona is going to be massive. And like you said, I, I personally, I agree with you that get, getting rid of Messi cash now, with, pulling off- Cash in on Messi while you still can. Well, they should have done because now I think now he can leave. Um... No, he can leave for free now. Yeah, and I think, I think he will. And they should let him go. I mean, it's, well, he has. They have no choice. But I think he costs something like he's five hundred grand a week. So that's twenty-eight million pound a year on wages alone for Messi. And and Barcelona are in significant debt. Even their yeah. president come out and says, you know, Barcelona could go bankrupt the way they're going. The league's not generating enough money. They're not generating enough money. They're overpaying for players. Even their academies players are on mint money. I think they probably just got a bit too big, a bit too quick. I think. I think another thing as well is they relied so heavily on him over the last. Well, they've relied. They've over relied on him way too much. I mean, when Xavi and Iniesta went, and that took some of the. That obviously they were the linchpins of the squad. So they were. It was Messi, yeah. Xavi, Iniesta, basically. When them two went, all of the pressure was put on Messi. And even when they were winning titles and winning cups and, and getting to finals or semi-finals, it was because of Messi. It was because he was scoring three goals in a game they win three-two, or he he was literally dragging that team. And mm-hmm. even even when he was just getting assists, it was because he'd taken on nine men, took it around the goalkeeper, and passed the ball. Like he looks tired. He looks tired now, he does. both mentally and physically. Well. Yeah, yeah, he looks he looks miserable. He looks absolutely miserable. And. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't see him winning the league this season. I can't see him getting this far in the Champions League. And then that makes me think, does if they have a really bad season, is it over for Koeman before it even starts? Before he can I even think, get a rebuild? He, he, he was a scapegoat anyway. He was never the one to rebuild. I think the, the sad thing is, it's sad how the messy stories ended at Barca and how the great Barcelona yeah. team has ended. I mean, it's... Yeah. I mean, you would have liked to have seen it end on a high. But I mean, if Messi ends his career in this kind of form, I'll be heartbroken. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is, and we'll we'll see. All we can do is wait and watch and and, and see how see how that carries on this season in the Champions League. Can't also, mess, mention group, Messi without. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We can't mention Messi without mentioning Cristiano Ronaldo. So Juventus won two one at home to Ferran's Ferran's Rossi. I said it right earlier. I had nice. it. I had it. I had it ready. No, I'm annoyed. I had it ready. Um, it's all right. I'm proud of you. How did, how did I? Uh, Ferran's Varosh. That's it. That's it. There we go. That's how I, I, wrote, it, I, I wrote it down phonetically. Uh, so they took the lead, actually. Um, Yuzuni on the 19th minute. Really, really, really good fun, uh, finish. Cross into the box. He nipped in ahead of, I think it was Quadrado. Toe poke finish. Great goal. And you love to see it because obviously uh, Ferran's Varosh, they're a small club. Uh, so my man that scored the goal literally runs to the corner flag, does the Ronaldo celebration. He's yeah. absolutely he's absolutely loving life. Um, well, he, they were for about fifteen minutes, and then Ronaldo, real Ronaldo. Ronaldo. yeah, real Ronaldo, Ronaldo being Ronaldo, picks the ball up uh, from about he's about thirty yards, just outside the box, shifts it onto his left foot, which is his weak foot, and actually just drills one, and it just flies flies into the corner of the net. Great goal from Ronaldo. But Juventus did leave it really, really, really late, and this is what I was saying earlier. I had this in my notes. You've got to feel for the goalkeeper here because they were on course to get a draw against Juventus in the Champions League, which is, I mean, they could have they could have dined out on that forever. Cross comes in, Morata heads it straight at the keeper, and I don't know whether the keeper has been caught in two minds to try and catch it, punch it. I don't know what he's thinking, and it's literally he's dropped it between his legs, and it's literally like slow motion rolled over the line, and you've got to feel we've got to feel for him but Maratta scoring again is he finally finding some sort of form and some sort of like finally coming into his stride in his career 
he's looked good for Juventus since he's come back. It's looked like he's never left. I think I think Juventus, their system suits Morata. They know what he can offer. He, he's not expected to go out, run past four players, kick it up, and then bicycle kick it in. Um, he's effective. He's very effective. He's a target man. He holds up the ball well. And occasionally he gets into some dangerous areas um, in free play. He, he, do you know what Morata? Yeah. He was he was good everywhere he played and every everywhere he played and every league he played in, other than when he went to Chelsea. Was it just was it a bridge? Oh, I don't know. Athletic, Atletico was. I know he scored against Liverpool in that Champions League, but he wasn't that great for Atletico either. Uh, he was not. Well, okay, he was. He was. He wasn't terrible. He wasn't as bad as he was at, Ch- at Chelsea. Yeah. But then, was the Chelsea situation? Was it just a case of the Premier League was too strong for him, too fast, too was fast? I think. Yeah, or was it a case of the way that he was being deployed in the Chelsea team? Well, he scored eight goals very quickly when he started his yeah. Chelsea career. He was top scorer. And I thought, wow, they made a cracking side in here. And then as soon as everyone took note of him, boom, straight down. Yeah. He, Chelsea's system never suited him. And let's not forget, Chelsea were a team going in transition then. It's easy yeah. to call a, a player bad when he's in an aging team who doesn't have any direction. You know, I've always, um, I've always had a bit of a soft spot for him. But, but I'm I'm um, quite biased because I, I I like my strikers. I like them six foot something target men. So, Juventus, uh, do you have a, are you concerned with Juventus? Because I am. Because since Ronaldo's turned up, he's looked their only weapon. Realistically, yeah. I know Morata showed some form, but a Juventus team without Ronaldo, and I know they were great before Ronaldo, doesn't look threatening in terms of a Champions League win. Not well, at all. Me... Even even in the league, they're they're slowly. Fo- when Ronaldo doesn't play, you think, oh, they could they could miss out on the league. Well, let, let me just run through. This is the starting lineup um, that Juventus put out against uh, Ferran Varosh, and, and and this this is the crazy thing. So Alexandro at left back. Okay, Sandro's gr- uh, great left back. The lip who hasn't actually had the best of times since his transfer to Juve, hasn't shown like the promise that he he showed like he showed at Ajax. Uh, Danilo. Playing at centre back, uh, is that is that the Danilo that was at City? Yep, that was the Danilo that was at City. Um, Juan Cuadrado is their right back these days, which make it's of that what you will. Yeah, make of that what you will. Uh, the midfield was Bernadeschi, Arthur, uh, Bentacor, and and McKen- and Weston McKenney. Now, I like Bentacor. Bernadeschi's okay. Arthur is a bit meh. I don't know why they spent all that money on him from Barca. And then the front two was Dybala, who hasn't really put in a shift in a Juve shirt for a long time. He's he struggles to play with Ronaldo. They don't suit he, each other. He struggles to play in that Juve team because before it was Ronaldo, it was Higuain keeping him out of the team. Before Higuain, it was it was someone else and someone else. There's always someone keeping Dybala out of that team. And the bench, I mean, I'm looking at the bench, Ramsey, uh, Adrian Rabiot, Chiesa. And the thing is, they've got players that are good, good players, I can't look across that squad minus Ronaldo and think, well, that's a world-class starting level. They're going to they're gonna go far with, with that lineup. And I they've got Champions see. League squad players in their first eleven. Yeah, exactly that's like yeah. squad players. Yeah, like Champions League terrible. level. The Champions League level. Yeah. But they would not make starting lineups. Or they'd, they'd fill in for some. Like, like Ravio was at PSG and I liked him. But he wasn't a starter week in, week out. And he's not that at Juventus. So what have they gained by buying him? Exactly, and there, there, do you know what? As we're talking about Juventus, um, there was. I'm just going to say it and then scroll back and see if I can find it because I did put it in here. But that was uh, the first time in either ever or a long time that Juventus have fielded a starting lineup where there wasn't an Italian in the back line or in goal. No Italians in defence. No Ita- obviously Chesney's in goal, and there was only one Italian player in the starting eleven for um, for Juve, which is Bernadeschi, which is absolutely absolutely crazy to think a Juve team, well an Italian team in the Champions League with no Italian defenders or goalkeeper. What has the world come to? Well, things have changed at Juventus, haven't they? You've got to think there was initially the slow the slow climb back to the top for Juventus. I mean, they've probably been there now for about eight or nine years, but people do forget they was playing against Fulham. Um, you know, it's been a slow climb back. When you hit that big stage, very similar to a Bayern Munich, you can pick and grab players from all over the globe, especially when you dominate a league. So it's yeah. not that surprising. 
Yeah, so that, that was it. It was Juventus to not for the first time in 123 years of history have not fielded an Italian amongst 123 years? Yeah. That's, that's a first crazy time. stat. Wow. And that's the first time. But that, that win for Juve leaves Group G looking as such. Barcelona already qualified with 12 points. Juventus already qualified with nine. Oh, Kiev so this is and, the other one. This is the other one. Yeah, then. this is the I other thought, one. Yeah. So Kiev and Ferran, Ferran Varos are both on a point. And to be honest with you, in in the in the most respectful way possible, if you'd have told uh, Ferran's Varos that have got a Champions League point in a group with Barca and Juve, I think they'd have taken it. Um, it would. Do you know what? It without Corona, this would have been an incredible, incredible Champions League group for uh, Fer- Ferran's Varos because you'd have got away trips to 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 the Juve, you'd have got away trips to Barca. It would have been incredible. But without the fans there and without people being able to travel, it's just it's been a bit been a bit meh. Yeah. But not without, much, not Yeah, much. go on. No, no, carry on. Without making the group seem about individuals, because you know, Barcelona and Juventus are fantastic clubs and fantastic players. But it looks like, as you said, looking at the fixtures for match day five, match day six, the closing game of the group stage could potentially be the last time Messi and Ronaldo ever come head to head in a game of football. If that- if they actually yeah. both play, because obviously, like they haven't, the, the first game Ronaldo was quarantined. Yeah, but, but they, but you, Messi's missed this game. I think he, I don't know what the crack is of that. He played for Atletico. Probably felt they didn't need him for this one. Shouldn't have needed him for this one. But I, I, I expect both players to want to be playing in that one. Yeah, you'd expect so. So last, last two games. We'll start with this one. We'll start with PSG versus Leipzig. I know I've messed you up there, Ed, because I've, I've gone for that one instead. Yeah, I know. But PSG. PSG versus Leipzig, uh, 1-0. Only goal in the game was a Neymar penalty. And uh, do you know what? This this is one of those things. I wish Gav was here so we could talk about this. Um, There was a penalty, right? I say penalty. Um, Di Maria goes down in the box. I don't even think he's been touched. Now, the commentators thought it was a dive and the pundits at halftime or whatever thought it was a dive. And they were like, wow. It wasn't even VAR'd. They did. They didn't look at it. They didn't check to see whether it was a penalty. Why did it go straight to a penalty and not get checked? Do they but have I to? Thought, yeah. I thought that if I thought that every penalty incident was like an automatic review sort of thing. Even if or the ref should... doesn't say, "Can you have a look at that for me?" which he doesn't do anyway, they're constantly checking every decision, every offside, every penalty. But yeah, it, so... it was. It was. A... It was even, if the, really, even, if the, it, even if the referee's gone, that's a penalty or that's not a penalty, why the motions are happening, they should be reviewing that incident. And I, I thought that was the whole point that was VAR was supposed to be, that, was, that they, they let the referee know, ER, mate, you've missed this one. But yeah, whatever. Uh, so all that really happened in the game, uh, Leipzig tried tried their best. Uh, they were quite unlucky to lose actually because uh, PSG didn't really offer too much other, other than the penalty. Um, to the stat that I was alluding to earlier uh, that I said... Um, when we're how long Harlem since Mbappe scored. scored in the Champions it League? It is, it is. Mbappe hasn't scored a, a goal in the Champions League since November 2019. Is he getting tired? It, well, not, not tired, but is he getting sick of playing for him? Like, the football under Tuchel is terrible. We, me and you watched that PSG Monaco game the other week socially distanced and over over Zoom and stuff. Um, but we watched that game and PSG were awful and he looked so nonplussed. He looked like he just didn't care. Um, I, I agree with you. I think it's time that, M- uh, that Mbappe needs to just, just move on now. Like you've, won your, you've won your titles. You've already won a World Cup at your age. You've won your league titles. You've won your French Cups. You nearly won a Champions League. Time, time to move on. I mean, we and you have said this before. I mean, most of us at Top have said this. I mean, obviously, when I say this, remember I'm talking in the grand scheme of the top-level football. I don't think PSG are a good football team. I really no. don't. I, I don't think, like, for a top-level Champions of France, for a Champions League... The fact they got to a Champions League final last year is a disgrace. Because, honestly, the only reason they got there is because it was a one-legged uh, knockout stage instead of a two-legged. There is no yeah. way in hell PSG would have made it to that final otherwise. Mbappe, yes, he's that's probably a stat he's aware of, which probably mentally he's struggling to get over. But also, it's not a team which constantly gets the ball to Mbappe. It's not a team that yeah. constantly gets the ball to... Unlike Haaland, it's, PSG are a poor team. All they have is two great attackers and Di Maria. That's it. Three-man team. That that PSG game against United um, a few weeks ago, I said it then on the show that he, like the only chances that Mbappe had in that game 
he literally had to create for himself. He had to beat men. He had to literally set himself up. And that, that's it. No one was passing to him. And as much as I love this player, right, when when they are saying that PSG aren't as good defensively because they're missing the likes of Ander Herrera and Adrissa Gay, like how strong is your squad if those if those two players are what's supposed to be your linchpins and the reason you're not performing well? Like you said, I don't buy it. They they've put they've pumped all this money into getting Neymar and Mbappe and Di Maria and whatnot, and the back four still isn't great for me. It's it's literally it's literally that 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 old meme of like. The, the the fronts of Ferrari and the backs but of they, they don't they don't get called up on it enough though because if they were playing no. in the Bundesliga if they were playing in the Premier League you would notice that PSG ain't sitting top of the table the fact that yeah. PSG are underperforming with a with a half cut team and they're still top of the league so when you see PSG top of their group top of the league you go oh PSG is still a top side they're not they're really not no. a top side uh, no I think everyone's kind of like just doesn't care about French football anymore anyway so yeah exactly but when you see PSG lose to the likes of Man United, when you see them lose to the likes of, you know, Monaco, don't be shocked by these results. That's all no. I'm saying. And don't expect anything the, from PSG in this competition. The other result in this group was Manchester United. Big four. upset. Big upset. Man United 4, <laughs> Manchester actually here won. Um, do you know what? First 45 minutes, I thought, come on then. This is actually this is what I've been waiting for. This is the kind of performance I wanted. Um, the first goal, Bruno Fernandez's goal. Now, I'm not just saying this because oh, I'm a United fan. Mate, oh my lord! I'm not a United fan, and even I was like, get him. <laughs> it's the technique, man. Like he's right. Like he struck it with his left, I think. But whatever foot he struck it with, his other foot is so close. No, it's to with him, his like, right foot. Is it with his right? It, rem- it reminded me. The strike reminded me of that Van Persie against Charlton uh, all those years ago. No, no, no. I'm talking about the, the Van, Van Persie scored a volley against Charlton where it was like the technique was like his feet were really close together and he had to keep the ball low. And it's it's just, oh, it's a half volley, but for Bruno to hit it that hard, keep it that low, and it's just, do you know what? I, when I was watching it, I, I didn't even see it at first. I saw it leave his boot and I, and I didn't even realise it had gone in until he was running away. And I was like, wow. Um but yeah, cracking goal. Then made it 2-0 in the 19th minute. Bruno Fernandes again. Uh, Cavani caused all sorts of trouble in this game. He had a great game. Uh, just his movement and the runs in behind, which we've been lacking for a while. Uh, Cross comes in. Keepers too focused on Cavani, I think, really. Uh, and catches the ball and sort of doesn't catch the ball and just drops it. Bruno's four yards out. Lands at his feet. Empty goal. Tap in. Then... What everyone's talking about, and I don't mind this at all. Uh, United won another penalty. Yay! Uh, stop, fou- stop fouling us in the box. Literally just stop fouling us in the box. Uh, it's like an 80 yard dink from Lindelof. Uh, put Rashford in behind. Uh, there, was a, there was a check to see if he was onside. He was just. Ronaldo's. Uh, Ronaldo? Might as well be. Uh, Rashford gets into the box, gets in front of his man, and he just gets literally barged in the back. Stonewall penalty. Don't even want to talk about that. But then, so no, did you think it was a penalty? No, I'm just laughing. I'm just laughing at our oh. commentary. But you think it was a penalty? You, what, but you do think yeah, it was, it was a, penalty. a penalty? Yeah, it was a penalty. Yeah, yeah. So then Bruno has a chance for uh, first, a first half hat trick in the Champions League, and he gives the ball to Rashford. Um, Rashford steps up, nice penalty, bottom corner. There's a lot of talk about why he gave it to him. And literally, is that simple? It boils down to after the Everton game, Bruno said to Rashford, "Next one's yours, mate." Um, that simple. I don't mind that. It, it, and uh, Bruno said after the game that it was because Rashford is the top goal scorer. It, well, for United in the Champions League. Um, well, so you're he glad he did do that. And he went, "Oh no, I meant in the Premier League, mate." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine? Uh, like, so, so I don't, I don't mind him handing it over to him. Um, Chris Sutton afterwards was saying that it's disrespectful when the manager picks the penalty taker and blah, blah, blah. Like, whatever, mate. Like, bore off. Yeah, like, it's just... Yeah. We, need, so we need something for this week. I mean, we need to... We had Ian Wright last, what, a few days ago. We've got this one now. We just need something to yeah. have a go at you for. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then Best Actually Here scored uh, Turok, not Turok, the dinosaur hunter from back in the day. Turok scored a... <laughs> Free kick, which I don't think De Gea will be happy about. Uh, it's gone over the wall. And De Gea looked like he'd made the save, but it was goal line technology deemed that it was very far over the line. Really weird positioning. De Gea was almost like diving diagonal into the net to begin with. 
So not a very not a very good save. They hit the crossbar yeah. straight after that, don't they? Visha, who is an absolute baller, he won't be playing in Turkey for much longer. He's like one of the driving reasons that Basakshir won the league last year. Visha is a beast. Yeah, digged one from about 35 yards. De Gea's nowhere near it. Uh, and then the game was wrapped up. Uh, Basakshir were pushing forward, trying to get a goal. And Van der Beek sprayed a lovely ball through to Mason Greenwood, who squared it for Dan James, who literally ran from the halfway line. And you just see the defender, once James got in front of him, the, the defender literally stops running. Like, you could, yeah. like... This is, this is me. I'm done. Um, good for both of them. Good for James to get a Champions League goal. Good for Greenwood to get an assist. They're both back into the fold. Um, but, I mean, 4-1 doesn't really tell the whole story. First 45 minutes was in, was amazing. Uh, it was really nice to see a lot of movement, a lot of fluidity. And then the second half, we took we made the changes, took Tellez off, took uh, Bruno off, and the game just kind of slowed to a halt, and it was just really poor and lacklustre. And then that was about it. So... Hopefully, hopefully it was just because we made changes and we're saving players that that's the reason. I tell you what, I mean, like in in hindsight, it's probably a, a result you're you know you're even more grateful you won, especially with PSG beating Leipzig. Oh, 100 percent, yeah, and, and it because means we, get, we got to rest a draw could have could have left it out of your hands if I'm right. Well, no, oh, it's still been in your hand. It's still, still in your hands. Sorry, but it would have been difficult. Yeah, but then with the, I think with the needed uh, three points against either Leipzig, you or need PSG, a point out of the next six. No. We do now, but if if we if we'd have drawn this one, I think it could have left us in in some in some serious poop. So let's have a look <laughs> at the uh, let's have a look at the table. So United topped that group with nine points after four games. PSG and Leipzig in second and third respectively with six points, and Istanbul down there on three points. And the next match day is Istanbul versus Leipzig, and United have the return fixture of PSG at Old Trafford. Ed. Should Manchester United be pleased with? Yes. I mean, obviously, seeing that group when it was first announced, I, 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 I tipped you to finish in Europa League because purely based on how you started the season. Um, yeah. And, you know, there was a lot of talk to the back end of the season. Um, But yeah, I mean, the fact you're sitting top, needing one point to get through to the knockout stage, I think one point to finish top, actually. Uh, yeah, yeah, I wasn't. I was. I was not expecting us to uh, to be doing that one in the group. So, but, I mean, as long as, long you know, as we go it's, through it's, it's Man United. You can't predict what they're going to do well in, but no, at exactly. least they are doing well in that. Comment there from Dion. Be interesting to see who starts in midfield for the PSG game if he goes with two defensive minor players. Uh, Fred and Van der Beek, I suppose. Van der Beek had a really good game. Um, Lingard. Lingard. Do you know what was really funny? Uh, Robbie Savage was like, there was such a narrative that he was drawing a drive home. Um, in that game and every time Lindelof made a pass uh, Van der Meek made a pass and every time the commentary he said oh why do you need a number six to play those passes when Lindelof can play that pass why do you need a number six when Van der Beek's doing this Van der Beek at number six it's like listen we know what you're getting at like we know not even just the role of number six we know who plays number six Um, speaking of the player that plays number six stick stick around uh, this week in, on the YouTube channel. Uh, part two of our unpopular opinions is going up. Uh, and our number six is in that uh, unpopular opinion. Is it going to annoy a few yeah. people? Because I've not even... I've, I mean, I've, I've got to edit it. So I've not even seen it yet. My unpopular opinion is so unpopular that even as I was recording it, I was like... Ugh! I felt it. I felt right, it do so I even sick. believe what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I do believe it, but I don't want to. That is the problem with my unpopular opinion. But yeah, so got me nervous. It's in our, it's in our. Oh God, please don't. It's in our hands. Uh, so yeah, what that has been, uh, that has been us. That's been the review show for the Champions League again. Thanks for all your your views, your comments, your tweets this week and whatnot. Also, while you're here, let's try and flog you some of our stuff. So I've just clicked. I can't believe I've just done that. I've clicked delete instead of. Uh, a button so you're just gonna have to uh you're just gonna have to find our socials on here at two up top football on twitter youtube instagram at two up top football on itunes and spotify where all of our podcasts are available weekly shows uh if you like and subscribe that'd be a real big help for these videos as well because it helps us get out there it helps us it, the fact the the YouTube algorithms and such. Uh, it, it really is really huge help if you like and subscribe. So yeah, anything else to add? Add Ed. 
Add Ed. Uh, yeah, we've got a watch along Saturday. Um, yes, half twelve. Liverpool are playing Brighton away, and then we've got Manchester United on the Sunday, who are playing Southampton away. Um, yeah, we're scheduled in for that. All the thumbnails and that have been made. If you would join oh, us, not... yeah, that'd be greatly yeah, appreciated. I, I, and I just already know that, that that United game on Sunday is going to ruin my last weekend off before Christmas. I'm telling oh, you Southampton. Now. I bet Danny Ings comes back miraculously for that game. Yeah, well. of course he does. Of course he does. But anyway, that's been us at Two Up Top for the Champions League Review Show. So from me, Stephen Cotton, I'll say goodbye. And from Ed, goodbye. Goodbye. And we'll see you next week. Well, we'll see you on Saturday. Hey, 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 hey,